Hello, welcome to episode 233 of Three Bears the Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with Colin McKay. Happy Hello. Groundhog Day, Colin. It is Groundhog Day um, and uh, I think it didn't come out, so I think it's not going to be an early spring. Is that what it is? Cobbler's, Cobbler's Knob. He's got to see its shadow, I think, too. I think, yeah, so, yeah. So yeah. He apparently he didn't. So, yeah, it's um, it's going to be... But this only applies to... It didn't apply to us. Like, fucking have you got a hog? We'll have... It doesn't apply to anyone, because it's, it's, it's a bullshit <laughs> superstition. Um, it's, really, it's really funny, because um, it's been on the radio all day. It's part of the news, and every time that the broadcaster says Cobbler's Knob, I'm just like, chuckling away like it's, a fucking... It's not called. It's not called that in the film, though. What's it called? Is it? Is it? I, I, yeah, I thought that. It's, it's not. Is it? Is it Puxicani or something like that? It's called Puxicani. Yeah, Puxicani. Yeah. yeah but, um, it's Gobbler's Knob, isn't it? Is what it is. Yeah, it's fucking absolutely, absolutely it is. Also today as well was um, the, uh, historical today. Um, because two, 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 two. Two 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 yeah, yeah. so uh, uh, yeah two twenty two on the second of the second twenty two yeah um, which won't happen again for another thousand years I guess so three 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 thirty three or ten thousand years a thousand ten oh, man here we go a long time yeah yeah we would see it um, but yeah that that was quite um, were you excited by that like a little pal oh, I was a, a, yeah. a wee bit yeah I was like you know I'm having a bit uh, you know, I was kind of hoping a meteor might have hurtled down or, or some you know fucking apocalyptic shit might happen but um, it's a bit <laughs> anticlimactic but you know um, <laughs> did, you check, did the Aztecs say anything would happen if the Aztecs don't say anything would happen then nothing tends to happen so I think the Aztecs have got it wrong quite a lot I'm pretty, think, sure yeah. I'm pretty sure the Aztecs every year say this is the year, and they're going to get it right eventually. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, yeah. you say you say often off eventually when them will land, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's been prophecies at the yeah. end of the earth for every day for the past hundred years, and yeah, so we're still fucking here. Yeah, you're in Glasgow, I'm in the Wales of Ayrshire. We are the only two people in, the, in probably the whole west of Scotland right now who are doing this and not watching um, the football. So it's just. Is a football <laughs> The whole firm is on as we speak right now, which tells us how much of an interest ah, we have in this. Um, oh, right, okay, is right. Glasgow calm at this point in time? Have you seen any sort of... As a it, seems usual... to, it seems to be quiet. Where, where are they playing? Uh, I think over me stand, I think. And, and, oh, it's not even... Because usually it's dead busy over here when they're playing. Um, I've not even noticed at all. Um, uh-huh. I'm, a, I'm in a total bubble when it comes to sport. But yeah, no, totally not, as I'm saying. But the only two people who are not, uh, currently yeah. not watching this game, but I think in the whole yeah. of so I, I didn't know anything was happening at all. So, um, cheers! I'll watch out for all the traffic passing later on. I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can let, you'll be kept away by sirens, no doubt. Um, what are you drinking? At some nice? point. Oh, I'm I'm back on because I've still got some some leftovers from New Year. I'm back on the Ossian again. Oh, um, nice. the the Ossian Pale Ale. So I've got I've got two. We, <laughs> probably probably bad, but we've finished the rum. Um, so that's <laughs> all of the rum. <laughs> four bottles of rum. Um, five five bottles of rum. <laughs> we've finished since. Oh, um, since Christmas, yeah, so been through. That's like one bottle of rum a week. Well, we're on to vodka now, so. No, so <laughs> you're, embr- you're embracing home life now very much. So, yeah. Pretty much. I was kind of texting, um, I've given another wee shout out because he likes it, Bob. Um, right. And what, I was kind of messing around with saying that. Pretty much, it's, it's horrible, but it's probably not, it's not bragging, but I think it is just you say it, in that home routine and because the drinks cabinet's show after Christmas, it's been like a good a rum or two every night since Christmas and yeah. weekends maybe a few more and it's just because it's it, it's there do you know what I mean like once it runs out I'll be like yeah, it's done do you know what I mean but when oh. it's there it's just, it's just you know it's just like hands in a ladder constantly yeah 
Um, and A, my liver is yeah. probably fucking, you know, begging me to stop. And, and B, I'm a very small man, so it doesn't take doesn't a take much for you, especially you're drinking like a, a pint glass of it or a week there. That was certainly well, ridiculous. Yeah, I, I know, but it does make you feel nice afterwards. Um, yes, it sure does. Quite, quite a yummy feeling. Um, but yeah, so when, once it runs, we've still got um, three bottles of vodka left, but when, once that runs out, I'm not dead. Once that runs out, then I'll wait till next year. To nice. Just restocking your rum. <laughs> Yeah, what are you drinking? <laughs> I have got one from Fierce Beer, um, who I'm pretty Ooh. sure is Scottish, and it's called. I kind of got it. I liked it. For, uh, I think you would like the name. It's called Brave Noise. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a choice between this one and I've got one that I might try and keep for next week. Um, it's I think it's called something like is it um, like Happy Drummer or something along those lines. Like I thought oh, Colin like, would like that one. Oh, no, Session think, Drummer or something like that. Session, right. Well, we need we need to find something musical to watch then and talk about. Um, yes. and we'll, we'll, we'll cross it over. We'll cross be, over, yeah. So, Brave Noise, like nice, a nice pale ale, 4.6% from Fierce Beer. Very refreshing. Um, yeah. One of those ones you can drink for most of the night. Nothing really setting apart from your your most pale ales, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's got a nice wee, it's a nice wee tang to it. Um, not, not a bad beer at all. Um, I'm trying to see if it's got what it's saying is in, if there's any sort of in, indication of what they're expecting from it, but I haven't actually seen anything. You know, tell if it's like, like a citrusy one or a, you know, anything else. But no, it's just just a standard just pale. Yeah. Um, do you know what it's not? It's not a badass penguin. It's, it's not a badass penguin. That that is sort of the um, the name that all worlds will be judged by, I believe. I think the penguin one was totally that's that's been my favourite beer you've ever had ever. So that I agree. Like, I, I think I think it was so, excellent. It wasn't maybe it was a pretty standard tasting one. It was nice mangoey. It was it was or peach I think it was so a nice peachy one. But um, in terms of pure name, that was absolutely the best name beer. We've so had just on just quickly on beer. So uh, myself and Richard were, were were texting back and forward during the week about how long we've been doing this nonsense for. And uh, we've been here for almost five years now. We've yes, been, it's been a lot of bullshit. We've been doing this, uh, and we were <laughs> we were talking about um, that's quite a, an unhealthy amount of beer. Um, you yes, know, uh, going by an average, I think we averaged it out to about roughly two or three beers per per kind of episode, and yes. we, we realised that we didn't quite have enough to fill an Olympic swimming pool because that was no. four million pints. Four million. I, I, disagree. I think. Unless I'm only going to really deep. Maybe, maybe yeah, that's why. Really, really, but I Googled that shit. Google doesn't lie. Uh, no, Google, Google won't lie to me. Google would never lie to you. Um, we could fill a few bathtubs. <laughs> bathtubs. Paddling pools and shit like that. Easy. Yeah. But, but then it's got to me thinking, like, thinking of the, just the, the sheer variety of beers we must have tried because, you know, <laughs> we do tend to, to try different beers we, we show and try and, you know, bring out. So... Just, just in pure the amount of different beers that were promoted and tried and gave shouts to, even that in itself is quite that's quite a wee achievement. Yeah, I, mean, I do. I would say our range maybe isn't as big as some. We, we tend to only stick to sort of your pale ales, your blondes. You like this in a lagers as well. We don't tend to go into mm. stouts and dark beers as much, you know. So we do sort mm-hmm. of tend to because none of us like them, and um, so we do tend to ignore them. A fair bit, but so. still, I reckon we must have at least mentioned by name a good couple of hundred different. Yeah, I, mean, I would say other than Cold Town, and brewers and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Other than Cold Town, some Brewdog and some Little Creatures, we generally don't repeat that much. We, we tend to yeah, always yeah. Have to try to have something, you know, every week it's something new and different. So um, yeah, it must be a good couple of hundred. I yeah. would say beer wise. Absolutely, which is yeah, I'm I'm impressed with that, man. I'm, I'm like yeah. 
Um, you know, he, he, he is us promoting the, the, the brewing industry <laughs> fucking single-handedly. Yeah. yeah, because Scotland needs people promoting the brewing industry because before <laughs> now, people in Scotland never drank. It was something that was, you know, it never happened, you know? <laughs> well, we're educating against the evils of tenants. There that's, that's what yeah, I would say. We're not drinking go. tenants. Yeah. Yeah, we're not drinking not. tenants. We're not drinking Carling. We're not drinking Stella. You do occasionally drink Sol and stuff like that, but we tend to... Um, Shy away from the more supermarket beers, yeah, yeah, definitely. We do so. Uh, before we, we get deep into to movie chat, um, so I've got a wee rant this week. Um, not not a rant, just uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm is it movie related? Okay, uh, uh, well, it's movie and TV related, okay. it's, uh, celebrity related, uh, actors, actors, okay. Uh, and I'm going to go back to, to the conversation we've had um, before lots of times about Game of Thrones. And you know, like the actors in it are just shit, and they're never going to amount to anything. And, and her careers are just nosedive. Um, this was prompted by an advert I've seen on TV, and it starred Nicholas Costa, Walden, whatever his name is, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Lannister. Okay, uh, and he's, he's doing an advert for grey hair now, so so you know, yeah, wow, he has, he has fallen far. Um, well, exactly. So, this is my point, yes. Yeah, so, so, it got to me thinking, so, so I'm thinking like. So, so out of the kind of obvious Game of Thrones cast, they'll exclude Sean Bean, um, shit like that. But who's the most successful? Amelia Clark. Do you think so? I'd, well, I'd... She's, she's in a Star Wars. She's going to be in a Marvel. She's done a couple of other films that have been decently well received and sort of made money, made bank. So, has she who's... been, has she been one... well received though? Yeah, I think so. Millie Clark seems to be mainly well liked. Who's the one who was like sort of the mm. the one who done the Walk of Shame? I can't remember the actress's name now, but she's in Dread. La- Lana, Lana Headley. Lana Headley. She, she was quite she was quite famous before that because she was uh, she was in Dread and shit like that. I mean, so I think she had some some kudos before she went into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, definitely. The boy that Dinklage, played um, Dinklage has had like he was all he was in Elf, obviously, and he played that role mm. in Elf, but he was. And then um, the station agent gave him a bit of kudos as well, but I would say his career definitely took a massive leap after um, uh, Thrones. Because I think he never Does was, it all because he's never he's never cast as a small person as much. Yeah. He always sat shy away from that. Yeah. But I think now even more so, he's he's casting roles based on who is an actor. So I mean, he was he was in, again he was in an X Men movie. He's yeah. going to be possibly in the Oscar hunt, apparently, for Cyrano. Um, mm-hmm. And he was in a bunch of other stuff. So, yeah, I would say there's been a, a couple. Well, I mean, I won't disagree. There's been a lot of them who have based on yeah. Hollywood actors who went to Game of Thrones and have been, you know, in shit yeah. since. But Te- terrible, terrible. Maybe those three are the ones who stand out. Do Why are you asking this question? What's the reason behind it? Oh, that was it. Just basically that it? <laughs> seen the advert and I just thought, I wonder, you know, who's 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 the best and who's the worst of the, the, the kind of game I think that it's the thing that happens with all TVs. Even if TV's like long running like that, it's supposed for like, you know, seven or eight years. Once people mm. get in their head, you're established as this character, it's very hard to break out of, of that. You almost have to let like decade or a generation pass before you can actually break out of that. Even think of people like, say, the X-Files, Mulder and Scully. How much work did they do post X-Files? That was of note for a long time. They just they couldn't get what the people weren't seeing them as Mulder and Scully. It took them, it took sort yeah. of like a, a while for that to pass. Before I mean, Gillian Anderson obviously is always wonderful, but it's been a while since she, it's been recent. Only recently she sort of had that renaissance. Same with the Covney, same with a few others. Um, mm. So I, I maybe say that's more to do with the fact people just get it in their head that, that you are this person and they don't want to see you as anything other than like that. The thing, yeah. think of the Friends cast. How many of the Friends yeah. cast have done anything? Yeah, totally. totally. You know, yeah, it's, it's the same idea. You know, you. 
also, if you're in a really successful hit show like that, you're financially exceptionally well set for life. So maybe the, the desire then, to do something isn't there. But then even in Game of Thrones, I was never convinced by these people's talent. No, they're not. It, just, no. it amazes me that, that when you look at it, I suppose, here, oh, here's a good one, Richard, Richard Madden. He, he's, he's done well. Doing all, yeah. He's doing all right. He did he, he, the fucking Marvel and stuff like that. And the, the kind of Rocketman. Bodyguard, bodyguard stuff like that. Yeah, Rocketman. So he's, he's actually done all right. And your boy Sam, he's in um, Moonfall. Yeah. I think that's the idea behind oh that who that guy, the fat one, the kind of bigger mm. guy. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, don't know why he was yeah. in such a big prominent push on the trailer. I'm like, who mm, the fuck is this guy? Sam from Game of Thrones. Right, Sam that makes more sense then. Yeah, yeah, um, so yeah. Game of Thrones has got that advantage of the people in America, which is the main viewing audience for Game of Thrones, is America. They think mm-hmm. anyone with a British accent sounds intelligent. So it doesn't matter how bad an actor they are, as long as there's a British accent on it, they think they're great thespians and, and intelligent. So they can put a Hollyoaks actor or an EastEnders actor and plug them into that role and no in America will think they're bad actors anyway because they've got do a think, accent. They would think, do you think they'd think that about our accents? I, I think they would think we're very real. Very, very, uh, oh, that was authentic. diplomatic. That, that authentic. was diplomatic. I like yeah. that. We're authentic. Um, whereas yeah. we would say we're rough as fuck. Yeah, um, we're authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Authentic. Oh, I like that. So if I ever go over to America or <coughs> Canada, I'm going to put on my best Rob C. Nesbitt accent. Yes. Just going to go for it and tear it up. and Until they can't understand you and just get scared of you, basically. Because <laughs> <Well, yeah. laughs> not in Canada, they're too nice for that. They're they? not sure if you're going to punch yeah. them or hug, or hug them. <laughs> one of the two. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, I was just musing on it because I've seen an advert and it just got me to thinking, you know, like, where are all these nutters now and, you know, who gives a fuck and what they're doing and who's good and who's bad and stuff like that. There's been a few. There's um, been a few. Yeah. been a few. Um, yeah. Anyway, cool. you've, I know the fact you've, you've not watched much. You've not even watched Boba this week. So we can't even talk about Boba. No. Um, you I can talk watched. about it, um, but don't spoil it. Um, once again, has the advantage of having no Boba Fett in it, so that does oh, help. Cool. It. Yeah. It's a better episode for it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think very, it's very, very telling, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, two in the bounce now, no Boba Fett, and, and they've been better than the episodes. With yes, Boba um, there isn't like because obviously, this is, I'm not going to spoil the episode for you, but the interesting thing is they haven't put these episodes out because they listened to the public kickback of how shit the first mm. four were. They've yeah. had this plan in place from the beginning. These are going to be the two episodes they're going to have out, which is a really, it's a very odd diversion to have in the middle of your Boba Fett show to just do two episodes that do not feature in any way the main character of the show. Yes, we don't think maybe they had a, they, they thought, let's, you know, just in case, you know, this doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's very, very odd. Very, very um, odd. Quick, quick, we sidetrack on that. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard, who directed last week's episode of Boba Fett Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, yes. I was watching um, Spider-Man Three. Yeah, she plays Caleb. Yeah, she's she's a Gwen. Um, Ah. She's so young and she's just like a baby almost. I was like, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, she's a kid. And a lot of stuff when she's younger because obviously she's Ron Howard's daughter. She got a lot of sets and stuff like that. Yeah, no, she's that's one of her really early sort of like exposures. Yeah. Totally forgot she was in it. I was just watched it and then they just seen her with those big baby blue eyes and the blonde hair. And I was like, oh my God, look at the wee girl. Oh, was that cute? Anyway, sorry. How yeah. did Caleb um, respond, by the way, to um we've only watched we've only watched some of it so far, so we've not really got that far in. Um, but it's making me realise how and I kinda I know when it was made, Remy had different ideas in the studio, basically fucking railroaded them and he thought, well, you know what, if you've got any dicks. Do I fucking... do. <laughs> ah, yeah, and the actors as well. So I kind of get, you know, why it's the way it is. Um, but yeah, I forgot 
just how kind of fucking crazy it is, you know. Yeah. It's, it's it just it's just it doesn't have a direction almost. You know I mean, it's just like a roller coaster ride, man. You're just crazy, and I'll still watch it because it's got you know Venom's Venom. Um, if, you, yeah. if you're a nerd, Venom is you know you could fucking dip Venom in shit and put them in fire, and I'd want to see it. Do you know what I mean? Because it's Venom. Um, yeah, so it's still got those elements in it. It's still got Toby. It's still swinging about. You know I mean, it's all still there, but it's just done so. Like it is a clear, I don't, I don't know. Just you can tell everyone involved in it kind of was fed up of being involved with it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. at that point, so we've watched about a quarter of it, so we've still got quite, quite a bit to go. Although, um, he did finish watching Spider Man 2 and he was totally blown away by the greatest <laughs> action scene ever filmed, the train yes. scene. He yes. was totally like, that, that was so good. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Spider 2 still holds up as a benchmark, and um, probably, Absolutely. probably is. is Probably it's hard to describe because it's in live action. I still think Spider-Man into Spider-Verse is a better Spider-Man film. Yeah, but absolutely. Live action wise, I still think nothing is quite topped. Um, uh, Spider-Man Two. It's it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty flawless when it with what it does. I've also started um, brainwashing them with Bruce Campbell. So in the nice. first one, first one, I was like, right, see the wrestling announcer. And he's like, yeah, Dad. was like, pay attention to that man. And he's like, okay, Dad. Well, how come? And I was like, just shh, watch it. And the next one, and I was like, remember the wrestling guy? And he's like, yeah, Dad. I was like, who's that? And he's like, oh, it's the same guy, Dad. Yeah. I'm like, I know, son. I know. And then the fourth one, I was like, do you remember him? And I was like, yeah, look who is. And he's like, oh, it's the same guy, Dad. And I'm like, that's Bruce Campbell, son. You Bruce Campbell's everything. <laughs> um, will he be in Doctor Strange? That's the question. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, he's got to be, man. He's got to be. He's got to be. Or he wasn't in, oh, is there any one that he wasn't in? Drag Me to Hell. He wasn't in Drag Me to Hell. Sure. Wasn't it Drag Me Hell? I think it might have a voice hmm. cameo Drag Me to Hell. Possibly. possibly. I think a voice cameo Drag Me to Hell rather than actually in it on screen. I'm pretty. I think, I think been... he was. Made, I think he was possibly meant to play the bank manager, mm. but some sort of scheduling thing meant he couldn't. So he just does a voice cameo at the bit when they're doing the seance. I think. I think there's um, two or three where he's not in, um, and same with the car as well. I think the car. I think a lot of people thought that wasn't in Return to Oz. Or what was it called? Oz, oh, the Great Deal. No, it's definitely not. The only one. It's, it's even. It's, it's, it's not... the engine. There's a bit, but it's blown about, and it's got the engine in the car. It's blown the about. The only one it's, it's not in is Quick and the Dead for obvious reasons. Um, it's in there. It's, 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 called... one, it's one of the wagons. Yes, but it's, it's an old yeah. wagon. It's what it's sort of. It's, yeah. it's referenced yeah. in, in passing. Anyway, yeah, let's move probably, on away from probably. Sam Raimi. Sorry, um, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I have. I've actually been watching quite a lot of TV this week. Um, oh. there's not a lot on at the cinema, so I've actually started dabbling into a lot of television. Um, mm-hmm. so I'll run through you very quickly with you and try and convince you to watch some and what not watch others. One that your good lady is watching is on Netflix, um, and it's called "The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window." Um. Mm-hmm. Starring Kirsten, Kristen Beale. Kristen, no, not Kristen Beale. Is it Kristen Beale? No, no, oh. it's not Kristen Beale. Um, not Bridesmaid Girl. I know, I know no. I mean. it's not Kristen Wiig. It is Pointed oh. Face Girl who plays Anna in Frozen. Yes, she's also in The Good Place. Mm-hmm. Um, who's I'm now totally just forget. Yeah, it's Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell was a Kristen Bell. Yeah, so yeah. this is it's sort of a piss take, but not really on the sort of rear view uh, window. Almost rear window, girl on a train, all mm. that kind of stuff, and that, and that not only that genre of TV movie and sort of and movie that's out just now, but also that genre of book that seems to be very popular now. Like Jill reads a lot of it as well, you know, sort of those, you know, murder mysteries things that are sort of like all one, you know, sort of it's built up over time yeah. and things like that. So it's it's with a title like that, it sounds almost like like a Zucker Zucker Abrams style. 
Or like, like a scary movie idea. Aye, farcical yeah. thing. And yeah. it's really, it's totally not. That's, I don't know if you've heard what um, Lorraine said about it, but there's wee moments of like silliness in it where it just been something, yeah. but, it's, but it's, it's played far too real and far too it's, sad. Yeah, it is very, it's almost like Kevin can fuck himself. It's like, there's a real kind of darkness to it and a real uh-huh. nasty humour streak. A couple of bits I've seen was um, Take Your Dog to Work Day and it's the Aye, do you know what I mean? Stuff like that, like the kind of bottles of wine, you know, in the, in the jar, you know what I mean? Like talking up the, the, the stuff like that. Yeah, and you see that, and it's like you're kind of chuckling, but yeah, then it, yeah, it's dark as well. It's, you don't think you're a woman struggling with trauma. Like you, this woman yeah. was like, oh, she's like, it makes it like she's afraid of the rain. That's one of her big things. Like she can't go in mm. the rain because she's collapsed because yeah. she's so scared of the rain. Yeah. And it's like that in itself is stupid and farcical. But what you're, but when you're watching it at heart, you're really feeling a woman who is suffering with a trauma of loss and, and real sadness. And it's Proper grief, yeah. Uh-huh, and it's really hard to in any way play that for laughs. I think I don't know if it's trying to get to the same tone possibly as that show it was on like ITV called Touching Cloth, one with John Hanna. Not seen that. <laughs> it's like sort of a police procedural in the same way. And it's sort of like it's done completely deadpan straight with stupid lines in it that sort of you know make you laugh. But yeah. that's just the mean. Jill watched, we watched all of it in one night essentially, so that tells you a lot about it. We watched like all eight episodes in a row, so we were intrigued by it in some way. Yeah, but it definitely. was just very strange, very odd. It is, it's got something, I'm really not sure if I liked it or not, to be honest. Um, it, I got, um, it gave me the same vibes I got from the flight attendant almost. Possibly, but the flight attendant doesn't openly go for funny. Like, there's things yeah. in this that are, that are pure, that are absolutely played for yeah. just the comedy of it. Yeah, but it doesn't slot into the world it's in. You know, like there's a like there's a relatively funny bit when she keeps going to the gravestone of her daughter, and every time she goes there, the the, the sort of the, the transcript on it changes to a different quote. Yeah, and they get ridiculous, and it gets more and more silly. And same with like some of her voiceover stuff, it gets more and more silly. It's very much in that podcasty world of like sort of the, and he you know he didn't know it's going to be the worst day of his life until now. All that kind of shit, you know, and it sort of like does yeah. all that kind of crap. Yeah. And some of it just it does sound utterly ridiculous, but. I I just it's very it's a very strange show because it's it's I can see what it's going for, but tonally it just seems very it doesn't seem to match what it's trying to pull off. And I think it's quite a difficult balancing act that I don't think it quite achieves in, in terms of, of what it's trying to go for. But did you did you think you binged it expecting it to get better or kind of known it was good and waiting for something big to I happen or kind of was what, watched I kind of watched all eight to try and see if it think if it picked a direction to be honest. Right. Right. Okay. Down on one side or the other. Uh-huh. And it never does. It it continues it keeps that inconsistent tone throughout. So I guess that is in some way consistent. Like it, yeah, it, it, it means right. at that point it means it's not a director making a fault in one episode and another director correcting it. It's, it's a choice. A, it's a conscious choice. This is yeah. what they were going for. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of at a loss to know why they went for for that choice. Mm-hmm. It felt very much like it was um an, an odd one to go for, to be honest. Yeah. I was I was quite intrigued, I was quite confused by it. Um but like I said, it's only like every episode is only something like 23 minutes long. So it's not like yeah. it's um ridiculously long. So you can get through it in the space of like, you know. Two and a half hours. If you watch it, you know it's not like a, it's not like a long watch. So, for the for the kind of murder <coughs> mystery fans out there, maybe it's something that is this worth watching. But um, when it watch, yeah, it's all right. Cool, cool. Um, well, Lorraine's. I don't know if she's still watching it, and I have 
now and again I'll kind of you know perk up and pay attention for five minutes before I swan away and annoy the cats or look at my phone or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's one I might I might get an if Lorraine decides to pick up in season two, if it comes out, then I might revisit season one to to join in. Yes. Um, yeah. The one I'm watching it's similar in the same vein as that. It's on um, Apple Plus and it's done every week. So but they dropped the first three out of I think eight um, over the over the last week. Is one called the After Party. Um, okay. Really good cast. It's Tiffany Haddish, Sam Richardson, Zoe Chow, Ike Baron Holtz, Ben Schwartz, Alana Glazer, Dave Franco, favorite of ours, oh, um, in it as well. Um, and essentially, it's all these people reunite um, at a high school reunion, so like 15th or 20th high school reunion. They all go back to Dave Franco's house because Dave Franco's now like sort of a basically a Justin Bieber pop star, never stop popping type guy. He's also a movie star and stuff like that. So he's had it big. Yeah. He dies in the first episode. And then it's just Tiffany Harry comes in as a cop to try and piece together what happened, oh, who killed them, and, and who's got it. And it's basically, who done it? Then, yeah, who done it? But each episode, you're seeing the same story sort of told from different from as she interviews each guest, and you start to uncover. So, and each sort of each story has almost a different tone. Like the first one she's talking to is um, Sam Richardson, and he sort of tells it almost as a romantic story as he's trying to woo his high school love, and he just happens to get mixed up in the Dave Frankoness when it's sort of he's telling it's almost like a a meet you of trying to you know fall, like get this girl. You got another yeah. character who tells a story as a proper like sort of like a musical essentially almost, and then you want to tell the story almost as, like an action movie, and it's just her trying to sort of piece together what exactly is happening. Each episode also has sort of just new elements that bring into it that sort of become Moves canon. Plot and, on, yeah, yeah. On. So, well, three into it. the first one's like fifty minutes. The other two so far have been like 35, 40 minutes long. Very good cast, very funny, really enjoyed it. And it has it has got a tone and it's sticking to its tone. And that's the big thing that was missing from the other one was I know, you kind of know what this show is and you, know, and you know where it's and you know what it's trying to aim for, even though each episode is slightly different in terms of the kind of the the, the, the genre it's sort of it's taken from. Overall, yeah. it still all feels in the right universe and the right tone is yeah consistent throughout. So <coughs> excuse me, three into it, really enjoying it. Every Friday it drops, and I'll I'll be looking forward to it every Friday for the next couple of next couple of weeks to cool. find out who that. I don't have Apple Plus, but that sounds really good. That one, yeah. that's one I would like to watch. Um, I don't know if it'll, I don't know if Apple Materials exclusive to them or if other networks can pick it up. At some I think place, it but... might eventually sort of find its way to other places. But Apple, I would say yeah. Apple, Apple doesn't drop as much stuff. But what it does mm-hmm. drop, I would say, is consistently better than a lot of other places. It seems to be a bit more, uh, a bit more cultured, a bit more sort of like refined with its mm. work. It's not dropping quite as much. Just sort of. Content just to try and get stuff yeah. there. Um, yeah. It's sort of, but it's definitely. They care about what they're releasing. Aye. They've, they've done a few films with Tom Hanks. They did that one, Coda, as well. It's up for like a lot of Academy Awards. They've done the Beatles documentary as well. It was yeah. on, not one that's on Disney, a different one. They've done the Beastie Boys documentary as well. And they've done a few other things. So they definitely seem a little bit more refined in what they're putting out. And they've done the morning show and they do Ted Lasso and, and all that kind of stuff. So they are sort yeah. of, I think their content, although. It is more limited. I would say that is the one annoying thing. It's not quite as much on it, but I definitely say it's a higher quality than what's coming out on um, Netflix and Amazon, or consistently right. higher quality, you know. Right, Steve Jobs, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, <laughs> and the last one I've been watching, I've only watched the first two episodes. It's one that's taken world by storm, and I've, um, um, it's, uh, I'm too into it, and I'm trying not to get any spoilers for it, and that's one that's on, I think, Sky Atlantic just now. It's called Yellow Jackets. Have you heard of this one? Ah, oh, yes, I have. Yeah, it's on, I think it's on Netflix as well. well right, so I'm watching first two of that, and it's um, basically about a high school soccer team in the 1990s who are flying yeah. to a game, it's a bunch of mostly girls, playing crashes, 
and they're basically left in the wilderness for 19 months and they've got to learn to survive. It's um, a modern day Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies is mixed, mixed, mixed with Alive, from what I can say yeah. right now. Um, yeah. But it's telling it over two times, so you kind of know who survived, or some of them who have survived, because you're seeing them in the, in the present, and mm. they're almost, you're seeing how their lives have panned out post the accident. And also, you can tell something has gone on of major, like other than just the fact the plane crash and survived. There's obviously been something else has happened during it, because they're, mm. like they're all the two of them are worried about a secret that might get out. Um, and it's, it's it's good. I've really enjoyed it. It's been like I said, two episodes in. It's kind. It's it's odd. It's sort of almost in that like American horror story Riverdale esque sort of vibe to it. Because it's very like sort of teeny, but it's, like it's very sexy and it's still right. got you know very bright so, colors and stuff. Convince me you're not a teenage girl. Go. Oh, it's extremely violent. It's got Melanie Arkinsky in it, who I really like. So that's basically what I would say. <laughs> but it's good. It's, it's generally. It's got blood and boobs. There you yeah, go. Well, no, no boobs. There's been no boobs. It's been implied sexuality as opposed to in your face. Uh, yeah. Okay. Is, what kind of we need to actually be honest? Yeah. Uh, discussed recently. Um, but no, it's just, it's like, like I'm only too into it. I'm intrigued to know where it goes. So it's, it's a decent thriller. You know, that's saying it's, it's sort yeah. of it's keeping your interest throughout the episode. Um, cool. Each one's about 40 minutes long and it's moving at pace. And you're always kind of wondering what's going to happen in all these people's lives to make them who they are and what's going to happen in their future lives. So, no, cool. really enjoying it, really interesting. I know it got big reviews and a lot of people are really loving how it ended and stuff like that, so I'm intrigued to know um, you know, how it all pans out. Where it goes. I've seen it. I kind of keep passing through it and thinking I'm going to watch that, I'm going to watch yeah. that. It's just it's stopping to actually freaking watch it. It's a problem. But, yeah. yeah, it's definitely on my radar, so I will, I will dip my toes in that at some point. Definitely. Um, you, you need to watch Squid Games still. I know, it's just, um, I want to watch Squid Games, but so does my, my good wife, um, but she also does not like to read subtitles, she's very lazy with it, um, mm. so I have to watch it when she, I can make her watch it and not sit and do other things while she's watching it, because I don't want to have to every 10 minutes to explain, you know, what's right. happening or what's been said, so really we have to, have to convince her to put down her whatever she's doing for an hour to watch an episode, so I've got to or really push it you could do the ultimate sin and put on no. the dubbing. We're not dubbing. We're absolutely not dubbing. She can, she can learn to read for this, or she can miss out on it. But I am. I do want to think I do. I am intrigued to watch it at some point, but yeah. um, just not a chance to get to it. Cool. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we move on to movies now, um, and we've got two cinema releases and one Sky original release, which is never a good thing. Um, so. <laughs> We shall start with the Sky original release, which is one which is very rare for this podcast, rather than me setting the task of watching things um, that we're going to discuss. You are the one who picked this one. You are the one who yeah, decided. Yeah, I, I said, watch this film. Watch um, this film. entirely um, my idea. Yep. The film is called One Shot, um, directed mm-hmm. by a man called James Nunn, um, who directed the film Tower Block back in the sort of early 2010, I think, and I actually quite enjoyed Tower Block. It's got Sheridan mm-hmm. Smith in it, and it's actually... It's not a horrendous movie. He then yeah. followed that up with some entry, with Green Street Three, and the Marine Five and Six. So his um, his star has certainly <laughs> been on the, the the decline based on that. You know they're, they're almost not even straight to DVD movies. They're, they're like straight to, straight to bargain bin <laughs> DVD movies. So he's definitely on a decline in that respect. Um, this is a Sky Cinema, I think, original release, mm. isn't it? It's original, yeah, so... It is, yeah, it was quite proudly told you at the very start, a Sky Cinema original, so... Yep, yeah, so, which is, as we've discussed previously, this is never really a good sign. We've, we've yet to see what I think we like, have we? I think there's been one or two that have been all Passable. right, but I mean, that for the amount of release, um, their hit rate is fucking dreadful. It's, it's low. It's, it's, it's a really, very, really low is, hit rate. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So essentially, this film is about a sort of it's set in a military base where there is a captive um, who the American government have and the British government both sort of have interest mm. in. Essentially, and mm-hmm. um, they're moving him from one location to another. At the time they're going to do that, they get hit by essentially his people trying to get the get him out and rescue mm. him and they've got to basically battle all these people off in a sort of Zulu style, you know, last man standing stance and yeah. and, and basically save the day and that's essentially yeah. what it's a Pretty last much, stand yeah. type movie of them defending the compound against these hordes of people attacking them. Yeah, exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, it's a that's video it. game come come real. Come life, yes. yeah. In the film you've got the Scott Atkins, you know, probably better known as a sort of stunt double kind of kung fu guy, isn't he? Sort of one of those kind of guys sort of like so so garden path. So here, here was my musing um, the other day as well. So in my head, right, that the, there's the, the the conversation with, with the director and, and the cast is like, you know, right, this fucking action film. This is going to be an amazing action film. Get me Chris Hemsworth. Like, budget, can I get you Chris Hemsworth? No, okay, okay. Right, who, get me Liam get Hemsworth. Me, <laughs> get me Liam. Mm, yeah. Can't you can't afford Liam? Uh, stay from no. You can't get who who the fuck can I get? Well, um, you know you, you've got Brian Bosworth, um, or, or this guy. You know, it's, take your pick. Is that is that is that his stick? Do you think that's what, is he's like the budget budget action hero? Oh, you know when, when you can't get when, yeah. you, when you can't get the A list, you can't get the B list. Then you know it's like okay, right, yeah, okay, bring him in. Get him I mean, okay. we're not going to disparage him because he's a working actor and he's he's doing yeah, what he can yeah. do. But yeah. if you have a little look at his um, his credits um, in terms of um, his movies, he was in Black Mass Two, City of Masks, Special Forces, even the Medallion um, with Jackie mm-hmm. Chan, I think that is. Yep. Um, Unleashed, the one set in Scotland. Remember that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he only plays swimming pool fighter. Um, <laughs> he's in a film called um, Pit Fighter. Um, yep. In the Pink Panther, which I maintain is a very good film, um, Undisputed 2, Last Man, he had nine episodes of Holy City, he has a walk-on part essentially in the Bone Ultimatum, um, he's also in The Shepherd with I think Jean-Claude, um, yep. Stagnite, he plays Weapon 11 in X-Men Origin Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, which he's might be probably biggest yeah. film. He's also in films like Ninja, Undisputed Three, Redemption, Assassination Games, El Gringo, The Expendables <laughs> Two, Universal yep. Soldier, Day of Reckoning. Uh-huh. Um, does pop up in Zero Dark Thirty? Give him that. Legendary Ninja: Shadow of a Tear, Green Street Never Back Down, Legend of Hercules, which was not a good version of that Hercules story. I have to say, it was not. It was not. Um, he was also in things like Two Guns, Zero Tolerance, which like. Is a, is a good name for a film, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> 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 um, So, you give him some plaudits for that one. So, yeah, he is, he's got a, you can probably tell, he's got a niche of what he's in. He's in Jarhead yeah. 3, The Seed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he has a, a definite... Do you, know, do you know who really likes him? Who's a no, he is in it. Sorry, just before we get to it, you know who else he's in? Well, Doctor Strange. Is he? Oh, he plays oh, Lucian, who is a strong yeah. zealot, apparently. So, he's... All right. Um, Mr. Our, our sometimes very, very elusive co-host, um, Chris Gilby, is a massive fan. Yes, he is. I imagine he's watched a few of these movies, but yeah, so he's, 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 got, he's probably watched them all. He, yes. he's a, to, to, just to give him context as well, though, um, I don't, I, I wouldn't say he was a bad actor. He's a martial artist. You know, he's a fighter. Mm-hmm. He does karate and stuff like that. The man, he's got skills. I mean, that, that's evident. Um, and seldom are Good martial artists. Um, yeah, they, they they film a great action scene, but seldom are they 
good actors, unfortunately. Yes. They don't go hand in hand. So to give them some, you know, to, to give them a place, um, you know, he, he does action um, better than he does acting. Yeah. yeah. I think, cool. as we discussed, Bruce Campbell on, Bruce Campbell's got a title in his book, I think, and it's something called uh, Along the Lines of The Bigger the Part, the sm- no, Bigger the Budget, the Smaller the Part. Yeah. I think that would sum up Scott Atkins. To be yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the man, as you say, he, he is busy, you know. He, he's, he's, busy. He's, an act, he's a job. He's a working actor. actor. Yeah. He's a working yeah. job, yeah. yes. Also yeah. in the film, you've got Ashley Green from Twilight, um, Ryan yeah. Philippe from. Yeah, oh, that, yeah, that was fucking odd seeing him. It was like, yeah. what happened to his career? Jesus yeah. Christ. Did he not marry Sarah Michelle Geller and got busy with Sarah Michelle Geller? So that's probably why he's. I been... think, yeah, but yeah. I mean, he was tipped for big things back in the day when they'd done cruel intentions stuff. You remember? He was like, I mean, he was an edge of, you know, fucking breaking through the way Damon and stuff for that has, and then he just fared away. Same with Freddie Prince Jr. as well. So, I mean, there's these guys at Skeet Ulrich that were just right on that cusp, and then Aye. just, yeah, they, they just. I don't think Philippe quite had that. No, he was married to Reese Wellspoon, sorry. Um, I think Mm, Freddie Prince was married to um, Sarah Sarah Michelle. Michelle, Yeah, yeah, he had a moment, Ryan Philippe, um, just for working through, we've done it with Scott Adkins, um, we'll do it with Ryan Philippe. He had a little moment, obviously, back in the day when he was was looking like being the next um, big thing. Um, Canadian, he was in Crimson Tide. He was in White Mm -hmm. Squall, good film as well. Out of limits, then he's popped up obviously. And I know he did last summer, was a big, a massive hit yeah. at the time. And um, then he had stuff like Cruel Intentions, was big, Company Men was good, The Way of the Gun, um, Antitrust was sort of again, he was, he was sort of like almost like in DiCaprio levels at this point, sort of like, yeah, yeah. like sort of that pretty boy yeah. look. Gosford mm. Park, Igby Goes Down. Um, and then he sort of took a bit of a a dive. Um, Flags of the Fathers he was in. That was one he, he, he popped up in. Eastwood, yeah. Eastwood. Yeah. Ever since then, he's not done a much. I don't know if he's had maybe personal problems, possibly, where he's not been um, working as much. But yeah, since Flags of the Fathers, it's been very much a, a sort of TV, a, a kind of sporadic TV work and mm. not much in terms of actual you know, movie work. So maybe something has gone on in his life generally that he's maybe not quite had the the opportunity to do as much work as he wanted to do, yeah. or, or maybe maybe he just has star burned brightly for a for a while, yeah, and then it sort of it disappeared. So I'm not really sure what happened to him, young Ryan Philippe. But yeah, he's in this. Oh. He pops up in it, yeah. um, and also Emmanuel Amani. So he popped up in it as well. So you suggested this one. What do you think of it? Right. So uh, first of all, there's a gimmick <laughs> with this film as well. Um, so it's called One Shot, and the mm-hmm. gimmick is that it's done in. Uh, Looks like it's done in, in, in one shot. Um, so to give it a good, first of all, let's be nice before we're bad. Um, I thought they'd done the whole single shot quite well. Um, it, the cuts were obvious. I didn't think... Well, I, I'm not... They weren't blatant. They weren't blatant. Yeah, there, there was a couple of ones, you know, I was like, okay, okay there's been a cut there. But overall, it's really, really well done. It's just as competently done as something like, say, 1917, I would say. Yeah, fair enough. Smaller locations, I would say. Smaller locations. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was... The, the problem I had with it was... It was too too much, too fast all the time, you know? It was just, you know, we're killing something, we're killing something. And it was almost like, you know... 80 minutes of just constant killing, 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 killing. Um, it was bonkers in that aspect. It was like a video game, you know? Yeah. Um, the wife did say to me for a film called One Shot, there's a hell of a lot of shots in this, which is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, Hardcore Henry done something similar, but yes. Hardcore Henry done it from, you know, the point of view of, 
you know, like the third person. The first person view. Yeah, Whereas this, does it the other way around? You're, over the shoulder you're almost. seeing them all the time. No, yeah. but you're, no, you're actually seeing them. So it, it kind of does it a different way. Um, but the same idea, but it's, you know, it is basically an action movie, um, a video mm. game, um, Call of Duty, stuff like that. So I quite, I quite enjoyed that, the technical aspect of it. Some of the camera work at times was a bit shaky and stuff like that. Very um, shaky, yes. Some of the acting, well, a lot of the acting w- was really kind of wooden and stiff. Even Ryan Philippe was, you know, yeah, reaching for, for a character that, that did not deserve that level of fucking reach. Agreed. Um, so the acting in it w- w- was hard, but then I don't know how, how long the takes were, so it could be, you know... No stretching talents. Yeah, possibly that as well. Um the good, the other good thing, it was quite fast. It doesn't slow down. There's no point in this film are you thinking, oh, hurry up and something happened, you know, because you blink and you'll miss something happening. And yeah. it was very, very, very stabby as well, wasn't it? Very um, stabby, very stabby. There was, um, I think I counted in two hands and two feet and using Lorraine's fingers and toes how many knife stabbings there was. Yes. It was really, really stabby and quite gory points as well. Um, but with all that, um, the plot itself was was paper thin. Yes. Um, the action was too constant. Um, you do need a break, do you know what I mean? And it just kept going and going and going and fucking going. And it's like, you know, just slow down for you a need bit. To, um, like something like 1917, like you mentioned before, even it has a moment when you have a breather. It has yeah. moments when you take a pause. Even something like if you're going to do one shot, even something like Birdman. It has a moment where there's a, there's a there's a chance to take a breath. There's a chance for the yeah. audience to catch up. Even John Wick has that. When John Wick done like sort yeah. of the insane opening of John Wick, it's not a one shot, yeah. but they have the, even they know right. The audience has just been hit with all this stuff. We need to slow down just for a minute to allow them a chance to catch up because we can't keep going at this pace because it will just completely exhaust the audience. Yeah, um, the camera and the, the, the thing the problem is that the camera didn't rest even during dialogue. The camera would start constantly whipping so, around. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you know, just let it rest and let the dialogue evolve. That yeah. might have helped. Um, what was good though, I thought, was the transition from going from you know you're following one person and how it transitioned to a different person. And then again, yeah. that was all really well done. I thought Te- okay. technically, I thought it, you know. Out with the, the, the kind of camera work itself, like the kind of shaky camera stuff, but the actual technicalities are making it feel like a seamless journey. I thought it was, was it was professionally done. It was professionally yeah, yeah. done. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. What did you think of it? Uh, I did not. I did not like this film. Um, <laughs> I, I would agree with you that the the, the, the the technical aspect of it was proficiently done. Although some bits were done more annoyingly, like you said, the, the shaky camera all the time. Mm, but yeah. as if the gimmick of doing the gimmick of the one shot thing, now I think it's a little bit old. Um, I don't need. It doesn't seem. It doesn't seem as interesting unless you do something new with it now. So we've had a few films in recent years that have done yeah. the one shot, um, and if you're going to do it, do something with it that makes it interesting. Because otherwise, all you're doing is a gimmick. It has to have a purpose yeah. to it. And this, I didn't really think I had a purpose to it. But for what it was done, it was done well enough. I it did feel like a film that was about 20, 25 years out of date. In the sense that yeah, it really yeah. was just a bunch of white people killing a bunch of brown people over and over. Like basically, the, the invaders were just, they were nameless, they were faceless, they were just bodies there to be obliterated. And it, that's when very it Very much, again, very game. much like a video game. That's yes. what a video game isn't. You just stand in a doorway and you just shoot and shoot and they just keep coming. You shoot uh-huh. and you shoot. And this captured that eerily well. Ah, uh-huh. but not in a good yeah. way, I would say. Yeah. Not in a nice yeah. way. Like, so I think, I think we'll move beyond that. We can't just have, you know, Guys of a certain skin color 
being the baddie. And really the only reason we get that is because, well, the, the goodies are white uh, or Amer- white or American and the yeah. baddies are brown-faced, therefore they must be terrorists. We can shoot all them and have no repercussion as to why we're doing it. We don't even yeah. get into the good or bad of, of what's happening. So that yeah. tonally felt, again, very out of date. You know, it felt like it was yeah. something that's maybe definitely a bygone thing. Um, the action scenes, I didn't really, as much as well as the one shot and it was professionally done, I didn't really find them particularly exciting um, or interesting or even or new in any way. I just found them quite dull and boring. It just gunshot after gunshot after gunshot yeah. after gunshot and it became dull. It's just guy pre- shooting ducks. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciated the knife work more than the gun because, as you say, the guns were just like bang down. Whereas there are knife stuff that was, you know, kind of, Following a person about and stuff like that. Well, that, that, that makes me sound like I'm some kind of sickle. It does, yes. People getting started. I don't. Um, but I, no, totally. It, it was. You got to a point where it's like we know you, you you can shoot them all day long. So it was nice to see you know something about more up close and personal. Yes, yeah. and I think that was just because you had obviously had, like you know Scott Atkins is obviously very proficient at what he does yeah. in terms of the yeah. um, the action, and I'm sure some mm-hmm. most of the people who were working on it in terms of the. Um, the the baddies were also proficient stuntmen yeah. and sort of martial arts, so you can get something from that. Um, yeah. That was fine. It was all done well enough. There's nothing particularly bad about it. Um, the acting, like you said, was at times utterly, utterly woeful. There's not a single line such... in this film that is not just con- that just not is not is delivered convincingly. It all feels yeah. like you can almost see someone behind the camera holding the lines up and they're just reading it off of it. Like it yeah. felt like they just they, it, there was nothing given convincingly. Yeah. The only dull. one performance that I thought was redeeming was um, the the captive. the captive. Yeah, yeah. He he did come across as fucking terrified. Do you yeah. know what I mean? No, he, he, yeah. he, he, he conveyed that very well. Um, his dialogue was poor. Um, his delivery yeah. was poor. But the actual mannerism and stuff, you know, you kind of felt like this guy's maybe genuinely scared yeah. <laughs> I mean, on this movie. Um, he was the only one that, that, that kind of gave any kind of acting kudos to. Everyone else was awful. Awful. Um, so, yeah, I just, I mean, it's mercifully short, about 90 minutes, so that was obviously yeah. definitely in its plus column. But, yeah, this, this, it really was just dull to me, dull and boring. And I've seen it a hundred times before and seen it done better a hundred times before. Um, and, honestly, it just, it, it didn't do it for me. And Sky's continuing run of Sky Originals. Um, yeah. has, the streak has of been... averageness continues quite amazingly. They're orig- originally bad, is, is what they are. Um, not, again, like I said, they all, every film they've done so far feels like a film from about 20 years ago. They don't seem to have done yeah. anything. You know, it just seems like it's a form it, of formula it, set by... Is it budget? Do you think they've, yeah. they've just not got the money? But how come Netflix has got the money? So, like, why, is, why can Netflix do quality in Apple, but Sky can't? Good question. Sky, Maybe, Sky's, got, could, Sky's got money. Guys get money. Maybe it could be the people who are the, the, the dean counters and the sort of the, the people in the, the top brass. Maybe have too much input and, and maybe they want to see something they're used to seeing and maybe there's, there's no, they don't have the, the scope or the vision to do something original, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, <coughs> I didn't enjoy this. What did you give it a 10? Just, um, I'll go to that in one second. Okay. Um, I, I had a quick nosy on Wikipedia to see. I was kind of quite intrigued to see how many films are actually done in one take. Um, and I think there's only a handful of handful of films, like, like kind of feature length. So I mean, anything over like kind of maybe 50 minutes mm-hmm. um, that are actual one take, no cuts, no no trickery, just, you know, there's a the camera, then that's it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a handful. Um, all the other ones, like 1917, Birdman, stuff like that, are all... 
you know, there's, there's kind of magic in there and, you know, kind of cuts it, you know, hidden cuts. It. You, you're a lot better at spotting it. Than, than it's I'm very difficult. It's very, very difficult to do um, because mm. you're, you're asking not only, you're asking a lot of your actors as well in yeah. order to, to do it. Um, mm. When I watched Boiling Point recently was a very good example of it. Um, there's, Did that I think, have cuts in it? Yeah. No. They that, shot that it. Was... They shot it like four times and they picked the best one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I would actually say the better thing to do, rather than doing it all as one shot, which is now a gimmick that we don't need to do, if you want to do a good like sort of action scene or scene one shot, that to me I find much more interesting. You know, for example, something like Children of Men had some wonderful one-shot moments in it. You know, mm-hmm. um, The Shining's got them in it as well. Touch of Evil's got it as well. Um, but I'd rather see that. An extended action scene than a one yes, shot rather that than a to me is actually movie. more interesting yeah. than just trying to jump through hoops in order to to get the to get that across. You know, that's mm. that's what I would say. That that would absolutely um that would make it interesting for me. If you can find a way to do your one shot within the scope of the actual film itself to make to get, to get you involved in the movie, mm. that's that to me is really cool. Yeah. But not making it the gimmick of the actual film. I don't know. It, it intrigues me. There's something about it intrigues me. I'm intrigued by one-shot films. I, I, I do think it's you know when it's done well, it's it's like mind blowing. Mm. Um, even things like 1917, which aren't one shot, but there's so many long shots. It, it, it fascinates me. Just you know, I like you know I, I like one who done it. Silent concept. House. I enjoyed that one. I've not seen that. That was good. It's got um, Elizabeth Olsen in it. Oh, okay. Good one. That one, and I like really like. I, I watched the Hitchcock one, Rope. It's one shot as well. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, I think it was done. In, I think it was done twenty minute sections. Yes, it was. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, each section is twenty minutes continual. Yeah. Yes, it's not an actual one shot, but it's the the, the yeah. idea is it should. It's looking like it's one shot, which I actually think is a better way of doing it because I think you get a bit yeah. more control over it. Yeah, like Birdman does it. Birdman as well. Birdman, nineteen seventeen. Yeah. Um, pretty a couple. Um, you feel like it's one shot. You're not, you know, at any point thinking, you know, I can the obvious cuts, and you feel like you're just in one continuous movie. I, I, I just love the idea of it, um, and I think that's why one shot made me want to watch it. Um, and I, I think it succeeded in what it was trying to do. It's just the execution was a bit shit. Okay. Um, out of five, I'm going to give it five purely for I think they done. The, the, the continual tracking really well and you know it did seem to me seamless um so it's a five for that um if it wasn't for that it'd have been a two star three star movie <laughs> okay. um yeah. i'm going slightly lower I'm, I'm going a four star it's four, four out of ten sorry four out of ten okay and i'm um, five is that average of four and a half yeah four and a half we'll give it we'll give it something yeah. like that yes it was um distinctly underwhelming to me um it was better than munich <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so you still, I'm still fucking going to pay you back for that. One of these days, I'll find something and I'll make you watch. You've made me watch some bad and... stuff. Anyway, we want to some cinematic <laughs> stuff you've not seen, so I'll just give you sort of a quick rundown of some of this. Um, the first one is called Sing Two, which is directed by Gareth Jennings, um, who I like as a director who done a film called Son of Ramble, like back in the early 2000s. I remember that one. But the, the kids I remember it. Yeah. yeah, a lovely film. Also done Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I thought was a much better film than people gave credit for. Really? Mm. I liked it. I liked it. I'm a massive fan of the book, um, and I think even the TV show fell flat compared to the book, and the movie fell flat compared to the TV oh, show. Really? So for me, it was it's a downward hill 
anyway. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. I love the book, and I, I, I mean, I, I adore the book, um, but mm. um, I actually really enjoyed the film. I thought the film was something about it. I really liked it. But anyway, yeah. um, I also, I also done the first instalment of the Sing franchise as well. Right? So, so this is what his new world is. It's all animation. Um, the plot of this one, very simple. It's pretty much the same plot as Sing. Um, rather, it's um, all the people of the theatre now, rather than trying to get into the theatre, they are now trying to get on to sort of like the big stage, the Vegas stage. So they all go to Vegas and all to try and audition for this sort of um, big Vegas show. Um, their little koala person um, basically insinuates that they have an amazing show and also they have this retired singer who has not been seen for years who will come out of retirement to be in this show and based on that the producer needs to put this show on so they have to come up with a show and also convince this reclusive singer come out of retirement and join the show as well and that's essentially okay okay um, in the film you've got Matthew McConaughey playing a cute little koala you've got Reese Witherspoon you've got Taryn Edgerton you've got Bono popping up in it as well Chelsea Peretti, was it Scarlett Johansson in it, and a bunch of other singers who I think I should know, but I'm too old to know who they are. Um, so somebody like there's somebody called Halsey in it, who I'm 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 sure is a famous person and singer, but I, I have no idea, idea who Halsey is. Sure, but, I've seen it scrolled in a wall in a bathroom somewhere. Possibly, I'm sure I've seen them on the the, um, <laughs> the 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 Coachella list, and I'm looking at them. I don't know who any people are. <laughs> So anyway, Sing Two, I actually had a wee bit of a soft spot for the first one. It's actually quite a sweet, yeah. well done film. It's, it's, I thought the first one was alright as well. I'm not, yeah. not any problem with the first film at all. Yeah. It's but no, it's not mean the greatest movie of all time, but it's, it's it's a sweet, lovable animation. And this is much the same. It is very standard sequel fare. It almost follows the beats of the original, almost beat for beat. It doesn't really try mm. and do anything different. It is just simply the same story on a slightly bigger stage. You know, um, that's about it. <coughs> I'm gonna be very can kid movies do that though? It is. I mean, it's a family film, but it mm-hmm. is. It's a kid's film. Can kids' films do that? Can they take the original film and, and change it so much that it's not on, on track anymore with that? Do you think they need to kind of, you know, follow the beats? I think so. I think so. Yeah. And that, that's, I'm going to get to the point where I'm kind of negative on this film, which is it, it still skews very young. So there's generally not a lot there for the kind of over 10s. It's definitely still a young film. There's mm. some wee references in it that the adults might get, but for the most part it's definitely aimed at the young audience. Um, mm. <coughs> so it's it, it's definitely in, in that vein. Musical numbers are all well done. Um, there's a little bit too much U2 in it for me, um, and not being the biggest U2 fan in the world. Um, oh, I was did bit, you not? No, I never really bought, no, never really bought into U2. No, I've never, oh, really, never really done it for me. I take it... Uh... The, the line was Bono? Yeah, he's, he's called Cab Calloway in it, and I thought, is that not the game of the thick guy in Blues Brothers? I thought so. Yeah, I was, going, I was thinking, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. so that's very odd yeah. named him that when it's a, it's, a, it's a guy from Blues Brothers. Anyway, anyway, so yeah, that's Bono. So he's um, he's a sort of reclusive singer. He seems time. an interesting choice for that, though, because I could think of so many crooners and stuff like that that, that would probably... In my head, Cash Better is Bono playing that part. I would have thought they get Elton John, Billy Joel, something like that. Billy, I would have thought they get Elton John in because Taron Egerton's in it. He's pally with Elton yeah, John. Yeah. There's, there's a few Elton Aye. John songs in it as well. I thought maybe he might be the sort of mm. um, option for it. But yeah, he's in it. Like I said, I'm not yeah. going to spend too much time on it because it is a kids movie. It's everything yeah. about it. It's fine. It's it's sweet enough. It's it's got some giggles in it. Um, not breaking any new ground at all. It's not going to live long in the memory, I don't think. But I think you could probably throw on for kids for like a hundred minutes and nobody quite content watching it and 
that's it. Um, is is it still just the characters still the same? Like, was it the elephant that was shy and stuff? Yeah, like elephant shy. Still, the pig's got the problem with it. Like the, the husband sort of like overpowering, yeah, and she's trying like sort yeah. of balance her whole life, her own life and, and, stuff and like, yeah. the koala okay. still try to like sort of aim higher than he should do. You've still got this sort of the punk rocky kind of rock singer trying to like sort of break out, and you get the, no, the hedgehog, isn't it? Hedgehog, yeah, yeah and you get yeah. like the so the wee kind of lizard thing who does sort of like yeah. the kind of uh, the kind of old lady in it. Yeah, so. Every, there's, there's no new beats in it that's the thing there's nothing mm. new in it it's just it's very much the same film again but if you like the first one you'll probably find something to enjoy in this one yeah which I did see when I watched the first one I, I wasn't expecting much from it and I was quite pleasantly surprised as, as, as you say it's, I mean, the whole both of them there's nothing new in it do you know what I mean but yeah, the first one was done well do you know what I mean a few good numbers in it and the voice acting was good so yeah I could buy this you could buy this um, 5 out of 10 5 That'll do for a kids movie. I'll do for a kids if movie. You, Ten-year-old Richard would have given it a nine out of ten. Ten-year-old Richard might have enjoyed it more. You've lost your heart, Peter Pan. You've lost it, man. Get that <laughs> shell back. <laughs> I have. I have. Um, on from that, a slight, of a complete tonal shift um, in terms of movies that are out last week and still out this week uh, is one called Amulet, which is a British horror movie uh, directed by Romola Gary. Um, which is she is a, actually better known as an actress. She's in a lot of like sort of period movies and such. So she's doing the new kind of em, is it Emerald Fennell sort of like she's sort of following her own path by writing her own script and directing her own movies, which is obviously great that someone's um, mm. that a female is getting a female director is getting to do the horror genre because it's something that's I think solely lacking from that genre. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So it's it's nice to see a new a new sort of voice and a new vision in that. Um, so. That, that actually directing it. Um, the story, it, it's 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 basically, it's about an ex-soldier who's living homeless in London and, and basically he's offered a place to stay and it's sort of like, it's kind of like a religious retreat type thing. Um, and it's like in a decaying house and it's in it lives a woman and her dying mother. Um, and basically as he's living there, he starts to fall for the young lady, obviously, as many a man does when he falls, he sees a young lady. Um, but he begins to suspect something's not right about her and about her relationship with her mother and about the house itself. And things start to unfold within the house. Okay. Okay. Sounds quite tight, yeah. Tight, yeah. Um, got a little bit of a kind of woman in black kind of vibe to it a little bit, a little bit of our house in it as well. So it's got a wee bit of, kind of that kind of vibe to it. Um, in the film, you've got Carla Jury, um, Alec Sicarianu, um, Imelda Staunton, and Angelique uh, Papoulian. Pops up in as well, so it's it's not the best. Melda Stone is probably the biggest name in the cast. Yeah. Um, um the Alec Sicarianu, he I know him from. He's in that film God's Own Country, um, which was out a few years ago with the, the sheep farmers in um, Yorkshire, which I found very lovely. It's a, a wonderful film that's getting a lot of praise at the time, but uh, I don't think you saw. Um, no. It was a really wonderful movie. Um, okay, so. It's, it, I think you might dig this because you know, haven't seen it yet. It is. It's very moody and atmospheric horror. So it's all kind of basically, basically most of it's set in one house. So you're gonna get mm-hmm. very quite claustrophobic in that way. But it is at times quite disjointed, in the sense that it takes a real twist about. I mean, it's only about it's only about an hour and fifty minutes long. So it's quite. It's not a long film any stretch. But but an hour and ten into it, it takes a twist into the second half that is a tonal sort of. It's not quite a 180 degrees, but definitely, you know, a 170. You know, there's a, a big there's a big turn where it changes what it is a little bit and becomes sort of a more yeah. overt horror at that point. Um, I personally quite like the first half of it. 
because that felt a bit more moody, a bit more atmospheric, and also a little bit more sort of like, it laid a lot of track of interesting things. Brings a lot of sort of like religion and Catholicism into it as well, which I'm always kind of digging when it comes to the horror yeah. films. I, I do enjoy that always, aspect of yeah. it. Um, and when it shifts into the second act, I, I didn't lose interest in it, but I don't think it quite works as well um, as the, the first act. Though I have read a lot of people online who well, they kind of the opposite from me. They found the opening really slow and dull and boring, but really dug the second half. The second part. And the second half does get a little bit more kind of like body horror-y, Cronenberg-y a little bit almost, you know, so it gets into that kind of zone. So I quite like Cronenberg's body horror, but this this didn't feel in the, it didn't feel right in this film. Yeah. Um, but performances were all excellent. I thought they were all good. Um, certainly, you know, working with a first-time director, they had obviously had a lot of trust in who she was and for her vision because there's like <coughs> creature effects in it. Um, right. And it's, all, it's mostly puppetry, which cool. in itself is quite rare in a, in a movie these days. You don't really see a lot of yeah, that. Yeah. So again, yeah. you have a lot of faith in your director at that point. Or they're going to pull this off. But otherwise, you're going to look very stupid, like acting on a lot of bunch of Muppets fucking acting. Essentially, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, so no, so, so I, dug, I dug that. I dug direction was all really good. Um, I can see there's, she definitely got a vision. She's got an eye for a story. Um, but yeah, just, just a little bit of a disjointed story just kind of lets it down a wee bit that sort of kind of let me down a bit with it as well. I felt like it so, laid a lot of tracks but just didn't quite deliver at the end, I would say. Sounds like what you're saying is the first half is more about kind of creepy and eerie and atmosphere when the second part was just about, you know, here's the horror. Kinda, yeah. And I mean, the first act's not doing jump scares in like it's just it's just constantly building a tension in a sort of yeah. kind of like Women in Black does. Remember the one with Daniel yeah. Radcliffe? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of jump scares in that, but it just it keeps building a sort of gets under your skin and you kind of you're waiting and waiting and it's that it's that filmmakers need to realise that your imagination is scarier than anything they can ever ever yeah. fucking show you. That's nice. the problem, do you know what I mean? Is whatever they show you, your imagination can, can talk that. And that's nice. what's good about these films that, that work on that, do you know what I mean? They don't show you, they don't give you anything. It's just bubbling away and, you, you know, you're just fucking waiting for it in anticipation. And that's what gets your hackles up, man. That's what puts the hairs in the neck, in the neck do you know what I mean? It's not throwing a, a rubber spider at you. And it exactly. Aye, exactly. And that's, and that's what I thought as well. It's like... yeah. The, the good films, I mean, there's a place there for the creature feature and the, and the, and the, 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 the sort of the proper skills. Like we both love The Exorcist and that's got the yeah, full, yeah. that's got yeah. a bit of both. Portergeist yeah. the same, it's got a bit of both. You have a lot of creep factor, mm-hmm. then you obviously just throw in some real fucking, holy shit, that's horror. We're yeah. from London and stuff like that as well. So there is a place for like the big horror moment. But yeah, I'm much more of you, like yourself. Like I like the creep factor. And like you said, what you yeah. can picture and what I can picture are usually a lot more fucked up than what's... Um, yeah, what they're going to show us, but for what the, I would say, the most part, they, they in this film they give you enough to give you an idea, but not they don't. Certainly in the first half, they don't ruin what they show. You know, they mm-hmm. don't give you so much that you're, you're ruined by it. It, it just, it, like I said, kind of like a bit like Nightmare Alley last week. I think we talked about that, but it it kept laying a lot of track, a lot of stuff yeah. you put down. You're going right, this is going to somewhere, and where it goes is fine, and it it's it's all right, and I'm it's a perfectly acceptable way to end and continue the film and, and sort of and conclude the film but I just felt there's a lot of track there that could have done it could have went differently and it, it just didn't feel yeah I didn't feel unfulfilled but didn't feel filled enough is it did you feel like it was the director's choice to do that or do you think it's maybe first time and you know just kind of I think there's not definitely- quite gelled the idea together Possibly that. I think maybe maybe that is a lot of ideas getting thrown at the the, the, the wall. 
and mm. maybe not enough sticks to quite coalesce it together. Yeah. But what, what is there is genuinely very good. Like I said, like the sense of tone and the sense of you know what this world is is genuinely well done, and I really enjoyed that part. And I enjoyed how she did build the creep factor, and like I said, mm-hmm. how she got three performances at people also very good. So it'd be definitely interesting to see what she what she does next. If whether she stays in this genre and does something else within the, the horror genre, or if this is sort of like her proving ground to mm. show you can do a movie, do it on time, do it on budget, and then do something you know else. It'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see. Listen to interviews with her. She seems very, she loves horror. So it might be something she will continue to do. Even though her, her actual, um, like the work she does is very sort of like period piece. She's wearing a big fancy yeah, hat and walking, in, and walking in a fancy garden. You know, that's sort of like her, her, um, her bread and butter. But in her mind, she's very much a horror fanatic. So um, sure. it's quite interesting that that's what, that's what it is. And, it's, and obviously she wants to be involved in that world. So I'll be intrigued to see what she does next. I mean, definitely one of the people who, I think it's, you didn't like the film, but remember Saint Maud? Yeah. You didn't like that no. um, as much as me. I think it's trying to kind of aim for that kind of level of um sort of like creep and finale in many ways. Yeah. It just yeah. doesn't quite execute it quite as well for me. Yeah, um, it doesn't. I, I, really, I thought Saint Maud was excellent. Um and this one just I can see what it's trying to do, but just maybe doesn't quite achieve it as much it. as it could do. Just before you give it a score, um I think just talking about films that kind of build an atmosphere and, and you know let you use your imagination. I think for me, Creep is one of the best ones I've Creep's seen. Creep's good, episode. yeah. Creep's good. That does that. Do you know what I mean? It's all just you know it, it's kind of looks and lingers and you know it's waiting for something to happen that never does and it just gets to you. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it kind of unnerves you to the point where you're just something happened and and it doesn't until the very 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 end. And even then, when it does, you're like, oh, fuck, that happened. And yeah, creep, creep for me is like that. That's maybe my benchmark for that kind of film. I would say as well, it's, it's very cliched to say now because it's like so, it's like 30 years old now, but <coughs> and it's been much parried in, um, since. But Blair Witch was fantastic. Done. I mean, it built an atmosphere and it built a whole world and it built a whole sense of dread in its film. And I mean, and the conclusion was generally very creepy, you know, and it yeah. built. Um, that you got something from it, so yeah, that I mean, it's like I said, it's been much parodied, uh, parodied now, but uh, yeah, yeah, at the time that done it really well. Same with a film like um, like Paranormal Activity for it is they do that very well as well. Yeah, um, the, the first couple, not so much the later ones, but the first few do that yeah. really well. Um, so ah, it's just just giving you enough, do you know what I mean, just to let your imagination run right, yeah. do you know what I mean, but never giving you what you think you're going to get. And yeah. it's, it's just, I was, it's I good when they do it well, man. I mentioned it about 20 minutes ago, but Silent House, the one with Elizabeth Olsen, and the one shot, that does the same. Just enough to keep you... Oh, what's the one we saw? It's not actually a horror film, but it, it, it kind of is at the end. That is it Personal Shopper, the one with Kristen Stewart? Oh, I've not seen that yet. Oh, that, that's got some... That, it's not a horror, but it's something else, and it does something that you're going to go, holy shit, that was generally a supernatural film at the end, but... It does yeah. build that creepiness throughout, and that sort of sense of unease um, throughout the film. But not in a hot, not because it's all shot in like mostly daylight, and it's shot during the day and stuff like. That. It's yeah. just at the end, it becomes something else. But that spent a long time, sort of just getting to under the skin and sort of making you feel feel uneasy. But um, yeah, so it's it's when it's done well, like it's very unsettling. Definitely, um, out of ten, <coughs> so what are you giving this one? Solid six. Solid six is all. Again, we've always said. Any horror film that scores a five or more, it's doing all right. There's uh-huh. a few horrors that exceed, you know, seven, eight, nines, even ten. Do you know what I mean? Aye, so it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Very. 
that is us for this week. Next week, we have an interesting cinematic week, um, a bit more out, um, some interesting stuff. We'll start with um, Jessica Chastain and her man Andrew Garfield in the film The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Have you seen the trailer for this one? No. Is this is this uh, the Eyes of Laura Mars ripoff? Or? No, this is it's about uh, Tammy Faye, I think, is the wife of a like preacher on TV. And they basically right. started saying, if you put your hands on the television and send us money, you'll get healed. And it's basically... Ah. I think okay. it's based on a true story. It's one of the sort of early, I think maybe 70s and 80s, sort of like evangelical telemarketing scams, essentially. And it's just sort of the downfall of them and the rise oh, well. and fall and continual fall of, of this couple. Sounds like Lorraine's cup of tea, exactly. Yes. So I might convince the good lady to come to the cinema for a week. Yes, time. Chastain's all make-upped up to make it look like sort of like Tammy Faye, who is sort of not very Jessica Chastain looking like. Um, and Andrew Garfield, what's all the trailer has, like sort of at times goes, cause it tells a big long story. So I think um, he's like old manny makeup at points of it as well. So it looks quite right, okay. odd, but he looks like he's given it all as well. So it's been a good year for Andrew Garfield. He's, he's definitely put himself out there. Definitely. And so, and again, Andrew Garfield, I've always said the boy can act. He's, boy can he definitely is, act. He's an actor. Yeah. yeah. 100% an actor. Um, also out next week, we have, which, um, I don't know why I like this, these films, but I do, and that is Jackass Forever. <laughs> yeah, I do like that. But I've seen the trailer for this, and it's horrible, man. I think, it, is, I think it might make me cry, because I have genuine worries, because like, they're, yeah. not, they're all fucking 50. They're all it's old. It's like watching your dad. I mean, I'm I'm 50, and uh, I mean, I can't fucking... I, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the kind of come in the back door because it was locked in front. I had to jump over some back fences, and... Uh-huh. I got in and I was in agony, man. I, I hurt myself right. vaulting over the, like a four-foot fence. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, these fuckers are launching themselves from cannons, man. It like, generally you know, makes me worried. Because even when I was watching remember the yeah. film Knockville was in recently, Action Park, the one about the... Yeah, uh, yeah. And he'd done a lot of his own stunts. I felt like, that looks... I feel bad totally. watching Knockville. He looks too old to be doing this, so... He can't be taking pratfalls anymore. <laughs> yeah, there comes a point <laughs> where you feel like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, but I do have a real love for it. I think it's a bit it's a tie yeah. to youth and things like that. But and I think yeah. we, we actually recently watched the first two um the weekend. And what I do get from like, yes, they do hurt each other is, and they are they do stupid things, but they, the whole crew of them do genuinely seem to have a real love for each other. Oh yeah, like, they're they a family. Like, do you know what I mean they're, they are they're family, family and for sure. Yeah. The, the way you can the only person you can hurt as badly as that is your family. You can't do that to a stranger, yeah. you have to do that to your family. And I'm, I'm kind of, I think this film may make me cry. A lot. I'm, I'm really worried. Yeah. Just because I feel it's going to be quite emotional at the end. Um, who's who's your favourite, Jackass? It's cliche, you have a favourite? I do quite like um, Knoxville. I do enjoy his, his stick, yeah. I'm a big uh, Chris Pontius fan. I like Chris a lot. He's a yeah, he young um, bunny and stuff like that. He's crazy. Party boy, he's not even all that shit. He's, yeah. he's just nuts, man, is it? I do like Steve-O as well. Steve-O is extreme. Steve-O is just like fucking nuts. Steve-O's on the line of the stuff I don't like. Yeah, it's a, it, yeah, like torture. Yeah, oh. like so. Remember, remember the, the Welsh ripoff of it? It was like Dirty uh-huh. Sanchez, right? They just yeah, done stuff that d- felt yeah. mean spirited and nasty. Yeah, Steve-O's sort of on that line of the things I find de- like mean and nasty. With our stuff, is yeah. sort of genuinely quite funny. Um, yeah. So Steve-O, I'm a little bit on the edge on, but then. Um, but at least reading has some of his story and stuff like that, you can kind of see why he's kind of maybe like that a little bit. Anyway, did you ever watch uh, the Did you ever watch the Wild Boys, the one that Steve Bone Chris Pony has done? No, that's that's really really good. It's basically those two like going out in the wild each week mm. and, and get up to adventures, but they've always got like a wildlife expert with them who's just as fucking nuts as they are. Right. So it'll be like, you know, there, there's one they do where, where they're out in the ocean and they're on a boat and they put a jellyfish in a fish tank and Steve has to put his head in it, that oh, kind of that. stuff. No. 
Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's really funny. Do you know what I mean? And they say the expert's just nuts. So, is this James? He's like, yeah, go on. No, look at Wild Boys. It's actually, oh, it's really well, really, really well done. It's, it's funny as fuck. It's funny. Just, Sorry, when, I was watch, when I was watching the first one, like, I think it was the first or second one, and it, it's not even the, the, the sorest one to do, but they do a thing when they go to a golf course with an air horn. Have you seen that oh, one? Oh, God. Fucking yeah. hell, man. Honestly, that just, everything <laughs> I watch it just absolutely cuts me up. The, the, the anger these golfers have is every time they go for a shot, they can hit this air horn. Made me just continually makes me oh, laugh. Absolutely. Same with the way that they abuse the parents of that guy as well, but like leaving like alligators in their house and stuff like that. It's just it's, <laughs> it's really funny. Anyway, nuts, man. Nuts. <laughs> Jackass Forever is out, and I'm like, I'm actually genuinely looking forward to watching. Yeah, it. me too. Absolutely, I do love Jackass. Yeah. Um, and the final film out this week, facts, it's showing out tomorrow. There's an advanced preview so, yeah. tonight, but then get to go and see. But there's one out. It's out actually tomorrow, and um, that's Thursday, which is a film called Moonfall, which. <sighs> The moon is going to fall, motherfucker. I am, I am all in for anything Roland Emmerich does. Roland Emmerich does disaster oh, pretty much. Roland Emmerich does the biggest budget B movies you'll ever see. Yeah, that is exactly Roland Emmerich right there. And, and Roland Emmerich for anybody else with a Roland Emmerich <laughs> film. And what would happen is with like ten seconds to go, disaster is averted. Not Roland Emmerich. He and he puts it fucking like. The timer hits zero in the first twenty minutes. You know, <laughs> so all oh, shit breaks loose. So I am, I'm all in for Moonfall. Um, it looks fucking, it, yeah, it looks nuts. I, I, I kind of want to see because it, it looks so, so bad. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely. Caleb wants to see it, so I'll probably take him in the weekend. He can be bad because like he has done that film, Independence Day Resurgence, which was terrible. Yeah, that was awful. That was yeah, awful. so it is, it is a fine line, but um, things like you know, um, like I love. 2012, I think it's so ridiculously stupid that I enjoy it immensely. <laughs> um, Independence Day, obviously brilliant. Um, the Godzilla, I'd throw it as I love the Godzilla that he did, the American mm-hmm. Godzilla. I yeah, yeah, I don't it. mind that. I don't mind that. Um, what's the other one he done? He's done a few. Stargate, great movie. Not end of the world stuff, but great, great movie, Stargate. I love Stargate. Stargate's a, a tremendous film. So it's... I feel I'm missing. Oh, Day After Tomorrow. I, we yeah. need to watch that way more often than we should. We really enjoy yeah. Day After Tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah. a big fan of Roland Emmerich destroying the planet. Oh, you're a big idiot, so <laughs> I am. I am. So anyway, give away um, You can find it as long as the moon doesn't crash and kill us all. Um, <laughs> you can find us in all the free videos on the on Gmail, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. So pop in, say hello, um, let us know what you think. And what, what did you do today in the historical today of um, 222 and 2022? What, what were you doing at the time? You, you know, up to anything fun, exciting? Were you working? I was working. It was great. Anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah, I did a podcast, but on the actual time itself, I was. I think I was actually talking to one of my colleagues on the phone. So I mean, I was like, oh, well, two twenty-two. So just, I just finished. So I was probably eating scrambled egg. No, there you it's, go. Not, it's, it's, it's not exciting. <laughs> so, you know, if your kids ever say, Dad, what were you doing? Make, make something really cool up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I was swimming down a river in rapids and a log hit me. I was, yeah, I was trying to stop the moon from falling. <laughs> <laughs> I've been calling, you've been Richard, and we've been three beers in a movie.